and welcome to uh, episode three of All the Way Down. I'm Dash. I'm here with Invictus Knox. How are you doing, buddy? I'm Invictus Knox. I'm doing. I'm doing. <laughs> You're just doing. I'm just doing. Uh, I. So my idea is, uh, la- last episode, uh, we spent a lot of time on our topic, right? We came in with a topic. This time, I'm foregoing topics. I'm driving us right into what have you been playing lately? What have I been playing lately? I have been playing, uh, well, not retro stuff, mostly. Um, I have been playing a lot of retro-styled games, and, uh... I don't want to spin off into an argument about what can be retro styled, but I right. Would we argued argue, about that for three hours a yeah. week ago. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think this one does count as one, and uh, I think you might agree too. Valheim. Valheim. Yeah. Um. It Valheim is what I've been playing a lot of as well lately. Also, so let's chat about what that is. Because at, at at this point, I feel like I'm almost ready to just like say I'm gonna review the game because I've played it for a hundred hours now. It's well, it's real good. <laughs> you've gotten a lot further than I am. Uh, I think I am at a hundred and twelve hours or something, and you're two or something bosses further than I am. Okay. It kind of makes sense because, like, I'm really into the progression of the game, you know? Like, that's, like, I want to get to the bosses and fight them, you know? Because I'm I'm a big, like, yeah, it's a video game, we got to fight the bosses, you know? Um, but other people might enjoy the game because they want to just farm and fish and cook and build a dope base. Um, so, for me, it's been really sweet because I, so I've been playing it with my girlfriend and... Uh, I am really into the progress. I want to go mine the new stuff. I want to, you know, get all the new materials, make all the new gear, upgrade it, go fight the boss, get to the next area. You know, that's like my mission. Uh, Meanwhile, she is really into all of the other stuff. Like she wants to keep the farm going and make the mead and, uh, and make the base bigger and make the base really sweet and organize all the stuff, you know? Uh, She's so, me. yeah. So she so took my we, role. <laughs> um, so we make a good team, the two of us. Uh, but we should talk about like what it is, just in case anyone doesn't already know what it is. So Valheim is a survival game, uh, and but it is one that uh, that is very focused on, to me at least, um, very focused on like it's a video game. It's got it's got good combat, interesting enemies. Uh, cool boss fights, you know, cool areas, all that kind of stuff. Like, when I think of a survival game, the ones that I've played in the past, I've never liked. And whenever I see someone play them, I never really think that they look very fun. Uh, but this one, like, really hooked me. And I think it's because, initially, of this real video gamey feel to it. Every, all of the actions, like, just chopping the wood just like feels really satisfying, you know? All your actions have weight to them. You you upgrade these skills. Everything is fun and like satisfying to do. And that's not even getting into the combat, which is like excellent. Yeah, the combat honestly feels a little bit um <laughs> I guess I could go with the the meme reviewer uh what method of choice of saying it feels very dark souls esque um and I feel especially qualified to say that because I have never played a dark souls game <laughs> it's it's a little 
Soulsy a little bit. Um, Once you uh, get the dodge system down. Yeah, like, so the things that's Soulsy about the combat is that it's weighty, you know, it has weight to it, uh, and it's stamina-based. Like, if you block something with your shield, it takes stamina. You can dodge roll, which takes stamina. Attacking takes stamina. So there's stamina management. There's dodge rolls with iframes. There's parrying. Uh, all that good stuff. Um, the stuff that doesn't feel soulsy, I guess, you know, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel exactly like it, but you know, it, it is pretty similar. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Uh, so when I bring up parrying though, so that's the thing that totally changed combat for me. Um, because like all of the other stuff in the game feels really good, you know, the the building and the wood cutting and like sailing and just like all the different things that you can do in the game are all really fun. Uh the combat though, man, when I found out like if it, it I it's hard for me to stay on one topic here because I really <laughs> like this game and there's a lot to talk about with it. One thing that I really really enjoy in games in general is when they make you use all the mechanics and a game usually does that by being kind of difficult, you know? When a game is too easy, it can have all the mechanics in the world, but you never have to engage with any of them because you can just mash the attack button and everything dies and you win, you know what I mean? Um, so when a game is difficult, it forces you to use more mechanics in order to strategize and prepare yourself and all that. So... At the start of the game, it was easy enough where I was just axing everything. I didn't even have a weapon, you know? I just used the same axe that I was woodcutting with to just smash through everything, and it was fine, you know? But then you get to that first boss, and oh shit, now we kind of need to use bows and arrows. We need range, because it's too hard to do it otherwise. Then got a little further in the game, and eventually it wasn't working to just wail on everything So with the axe. So I made a two-handed sword, and then I'm learning to dodge roll, and or not sword, the 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 uh, glaive, the the pipe gear, yeah, whatever the hell that is. I love that thing. I made one of those. So then I'm two-handing and dodge rolling around like it's Dark Souls, right? And that was fun for a bit, yeah. but. Then that wasn't really cutting it. At one point, I got to a part where, like, if the enemies hit me, they just, like, almost one-shot me. So I was like, oh, shit, we need to make shields, you know? So then we make shields. Ah. And not, now I'm getting into, like, parrying and counterattacking. This and is it, a spoiler for me. It totally changed the game. I mean, you can make a shield right now in the game, right? Well, yeah, but I I didn't really... so. We should preface this by um, I was hanging out in Dash's chat just a little bit before we started recording this podcast while he was uh, he was still playing a game, um, and we were talking about God damn it I'm king of tra loss of thought here, <laughs> but we were talking about essentially uh, the mechanic uh, being spoiled uh, last time in our last episode when we were talking about spoilers and whether or not a mechanic can be a thing as that that's gets spoiled for you. And yeah. so what you were just talking about was the logical progression of uh learning things. And actually here's the train of thought again. It came back. You informed me that each boss is kind of the master of its biome, I guess. Is kind of how they designed it. And I had I had no connection to the fact that the second boss, the elder, is in the swamp. 
Um, and now that you're expanding upon how you kind of just learn that you need things, like you're 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 spot on here because the game does a great job of uh, putting things in your peripheral view before you even know that you need them. Yeah. Um, and it's like it the 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 game works off a way of like I don't even know that I can craft something until something like that hits my inventory and then it just throws a bunch of recipes in for your crafting and then you're like oh I guess I can make those now I guess I'm gonna need that for for later on you're you're spot on there yeah and uh, and what you're saying about things being in your peripheral before you know that you need them that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about too like at when the concept of like farming first comes to you. I kind of just thought, ah, that sounds like a pain in the ass. And so I didn't do it, you know? But then later, like, you kind of find out, though, if you do get some carrots and some of the other things that you can farm, and then you can start making stews out of it, it's like, the stews are super good, you know? And then it's like, now I feel like I do actually need to do that because I'm in a part of the game where I have to have that much HP. Or the way better example is mead. I'm when learning I first... so much. <laughs> when I when when I first learned about mead, right, because uh, you can, like, make – you can use honey to make mead, and then you have to ferment it for a couple days, and then you get mead out of it. Um, and uh, at first, I was just like, ah, you got to, like, ferment it and shit, and then you want to get a couple – ah, what a pain in the – ah, I don't care, right? But now, it turns out, though, that, like, that's how you get the game's equivalent of a health potion. When I fought the Elder – it was what happened was he immediately bonked me for 95% of my health. Oh. And then I spent the entire fight just like running around a half Eating. a mile away <laughs> from him. Not well, I had already eaten. I'm just waiting for the slow ass health regeneration yeah. to, to get me enough health back. Meanwhile, Nicole is just fucking having having the time of her life fighting him, you know, and I'm just like hanging back, wanting to fight him, and it was kind of frustrating. Were you not able to shoot him with a with a bow the whole time? I kinda, but every time that he shot his big like vines out at me, I had to panic because you know if like one shot would kill me, you know. And also, there's the added panic on top of the game does a great job of making you make split decisions of choosing between enough stamina to run and not have them close distance on you before you die. Or can I get one good crit arrow shot with this stamina and make it not a problem? Yeah, exactly. Like I could have been shooting him, but then I couldn't sprint away from his attacks and that yeah. kind of thing. So great. like it was, it was kind of frustrating. And then later I'm realizing that the only reason that that happened to me is because I had ignored the mechanic of getting mead, which is like a proper health potion in the game, you know? <laughs> and if I had that, everything would have been great. So after that, I started making health potions, you know? Uh, and then by the time we got to the third boss, we were prepared. You know, we had everything all the way upgraded. We had our health potions. We had poison resistance potions because it's in the swamp, you know? Uh, you know, a ton of arrows, right? And um, and so it was. It was <laughs> then. So then, the third boss, with all that preparation, felt more like a good old fashioned raid boss, you know. Okay. Where like yeah. he comes out, he's big. It's a twenty minute fight, you know. We're in gamer mode, just like oh, wait, oh hang what? On, hang on. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Oh no no no. no. I, I'm 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 not saying anything specific. I'm just saying we 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 had to be in super gamer mode of just like he's doing this yeah. attack, you know, like right when he does this attack, you got to call it out. To 
to your allies and oh shit and then everyone reacts to it you know and it's like very much about player communication to keep people from getting yeah. killed and all that I'll just say like the fight went and this was partly our fault for something else but the fight went long on long enough that at one point we had to go back to our house one at a time to get our rested bonuses <laughs> back <laughs> so uh, yeah so so that's been the thing about this game. I, you know, honestly, like uh, Omega Weapon in chat said it as a joke, but saying that it's the Dark Souls of Minecraft is is like almost apt, uh, <laughs> because it really does. It, like it really almost. feels like it's like a it it's a survival game where you start out with nothing. You pick up some branches and rocks to make some shitty equipment. And then you use that, though, to get better materials, to make better equipment. Use that to get better materials, to make better equipment. But during this time, though, the combat is super fun, borderline soulsy. Like, it's, it's super fun, satisfying combat. There's bosses that you fight. And the main progression is that, like, at first you're just in the meadows. It's nice, grassy, friendly. And once you fight the boss there, though, then, like, you get the tool that kind of unlocks a new mechanic that's in the next biome over. Uh, you know, you get the tool that can do a certain thing, and the thing that it does happens in the forest, right? Oh, now we're going to the forest, you know? Then you fight that boss. You unlock the thing that, that interacts with something over in, this, over in this other area. Now we go over to the other area. And every area is super, super visually distinct, super gameplay distinct, different, uh, different enemies, different soundtrack, different look and feel to the area. Uh, and they even do things like, you know, you have to do mining or just like generally like you have to get ore to make metal to make your stuff at some point. And you get different types of ores for different types of metal for better and better equipment. But they even like change up the way that you get the ore in each biome, you know, in like really interesting ways and stuff. So for me, it's got that progression that I love. Area boss, area boss. I love that, uh, and so, yeah, it's the first time that I've like been into a survival game, and I, I really, really like it. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Was you you mentioned like the progression of it, and I I realized just trying to zoom out mentally here that ever since we started talking about this game tonight, um, the every everything we've mentioned has pretty much just been very rudimentary sounding video game elements. So it's like. I, I'm not trying to use this for the retro point. I'm just trying to say it's the the fact that we're describing essentially the uh the the playbook textbook written down uh idea of what a video game is and we're having this much fun with it should speak volumes about how well it puts it all together. Yeah, totally. And 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 I do agree with you like like if you're if you are a guy who likes retro games and like if if you had any kind of like personal resonance with the way that I was describing how like I think retro is put the game in and play it and it's about going through a game and fighting a boss and you had fun right uh if it, like if you are into that then you know this is a game that you might enjoy yeah i was can we go back to what you were saying a minute ago um you were talking about how it's kind of souls like and how it has like iframes i've never like i'm struggling to kind of understand the concept of frames in general and in a fighting game context it means something totally different i'm pretty sure 
but iframes, what's that? What is that like in Valheim specifically? How are you looking at that? Like, so when you dodge roll, when you perform a roll, there are like, let's say, let's say that the animation is 60 frames long. The iframes would say like maybe from frame 10 to frame 40 during that window of the animation, your character is literally invincible. Okay. Oh, so that's where the eye comes from. Yeah, invulnerability frames. I think I I feel like I've been told this before, but my memory is terrible. But yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I I take a slight bit of umbrage in like for the record, when when people see that a game has a dodge roll in it and that it has iframes, they immediately think Dark Souls. I've always been more of a monster hunter. Like I've always thought of that as a monster hunter thing. Uh, but at this point, a lot more people have played Dark Souls than people have played Monster Hunter, probably. So I guess it I've makes played sense. neither, so it actually is is a new concept to me. Yeah, I'm sure it, I'm sure it's a thing from before Monster Hunter, even. But and, um, and Monster yeah. Hunter is not anywhere near as young a series as I thought it was. Yeah, I the first one was on PS2. Was it okay? I was thinking like PS1, but yeah, I remember it's it's been a while since I looked at it, but I remember it being I I thought it was a relatively new thing because. Only recently have people really begun talking about it around me. I haven't really tried it, but mm -hmm. um, I guess uh, do you um, do you mind if I ask you a little bit more about your idea of what makes a game super fun or like you know makes you super attentive to it? Um, this was something I wrote down actually from when I was watching you and Flex playing Donkey Kong Country too. You 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 mentioned the level that you were in. I guess you guys were in a little bit later of a level. Um this is not Valheim related, but kind of in relation to just, you know, how you enjoy the mechanics. But um you mentioned how like the level you were in had a certain combination of mechanics and that made it really fun. Yeah. And I I sat to myself thinking I'm trying to think of a moment when I'm playing games where using the combination of certain mechanics is what kind of just not necessarily what makes it, what makes it fun, but like that it's put together in a fun way. And I think Valheim meets that, but like this spun off a second thought, which if you want to, you can address this question B. But have you noticed that nothing, no video game that gets advertised anymore, at least not that I've seen, uh, involves shooting the person playing it just at like a tv flipping the fuck out with a controller just like oh, smiling yeah. and doing all of that uh that obviously that's like not as good looking for it, it's not up to like tv advertising like standards of what it can be considered a good ad anymore but at the same time like it made me think the reason that kid's going nuts is because the game's supposedly going nuts so it's yeah. like he's going nuts because there's a a lot of shit happening at once and i was just thinking about it we're we're going nuts looking at this kid going nuts supposedly because that's the idea of the ad um and i don't think we piece that connection together anymore like we even if we, even if we look at games like hades which are high action like new you're not gonna see advertising like that yeah indulge me for a second because i think that this is a really interesting topic sure that in the 90s that's what ads were like the ads were showing the kids playing the game and they're they're going nuts you know the game is blasting their hair back on their head yeah. and, you know um like and they're and the kids are excitedly talking to each other about it and stuff and and yeah like that's that's what a lot of ads were 
Then I remember, like, the Wii taking it a little too far with the motion controls. Because uh. the Wii was, like, <laughs> the Wii ads were, like, let's show the guy fucking diving behind his couch to hide behind the the enemies and then popping out and using the couch's cover to shoot with his Wii remote. <laughs> and none of that's in the game, you know? That's awesome, though. <laughs> but, like, it, but it's it's so ridiculous and too far, you know? And yeah, I feel it's, like... It's kind of uh, like... It's, you know what? I, I bet I know where that shit came from. You know how, like, every toy that you'd beg your parents for to buy you at Christmas in the 90s Every toy was no fucking where as cool as the commercial made it seem. It's because right. the commercial, they set up these elaborate, like, almost like what people who play Warhammer 40k tabletop do now. They just set up elaborate scenes and tables and just high action, like, has this thing come in from fishing line and boom, high action, like, video editing with it with... with fucking speed metal just playing in the background yeah it's, it's stuff like... that it's stuff that these children would need an adult directing them in order to like think of these setups oh yeah you know? absolutely and, and telling them to act that way in front of a video game <laughs> right so later though then one thing i particularly noticed about when the switch was first getting revealed was that when when they showed people playing the switch uh like as the um you know they, they just had like the little video montage of people playing switch it was just a dude with a straight face just zoned in playing breath of the wild you know and oh, there was yeah. Yeah, on the bus right uh there well there were like several shots right i'm thinking mm. i mean but you're it, it's it, it was true throughout where it's like that's more what playing a game is like the guy, he's just, he's attentive, yeah. he's got a straight face, because he's not thinking about what his face is doing, really, you know, yeah. and he's just, he's just exploring Breath of the Wild, you know, and I was like, that's more what it's like, and, and it was really interesting to see that being actually how it was being advertised, because of how I'm used to the ads being growing up. Exactly, and like, oh god, so, that I can, I can really, uh really identify in the way that Pokemon advertising has changed. Like, the initial catchphrase was gotta catch them all. That is such a 90s crack cocaine marketing slogan. Right, yep. I, you, you literally can't think of anything more by our shit than that. And it worked so well, so like... They had like a poke rap. They had like the the Pokemon like intro was just insanely colorful and like you know like something you'd sing along to as a kid. They made it so like it overstimulates kids. That was the entire like I guess that's where they discovered where like one era in advertising is where they discovered how fucking hype kids get because their their capacity for can uh, can take this is really small. So if something is good and it meets if uh, exceeds that capacity they're fucking nuts about it so yeah, like yeah. if you can it's probably easy as shit to hype a kid up about pokemon so like they just make a sick advertising about it uh and i'm not i'm not remembering the games being advertised but just the just the the ip specifically but then i think about now when i think about like the ds games and the recent pokemon snap game i think those advertisements they're a lot more scaled, but they're they're so chill, and they're just meant to be like they're kind of a meant to evoke like a relaxing atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Whereas like 
it that's kind of like the one weird vibe I had with that trailer. Not to get into d- too deep a hole, but just the the tone of advertising has gotten real toned down, and I don't know that my desensitized brain is ready for it. Yeah, I almost wonder like like who it's who it's being advertised for because you you would imagine that Pokemon would still be advertised to kids. You know, today's yeah. kids get today's Pokemon. And that would still be the target audience. But those chill ads kind of sounds more like it's an ad for me, who I grew up being the kid who was advertised to with those crazy ads. Now I'm a little older. Now I do think of Pokemon as like a comforting, chill, just relax and catch some Pokemon, dude. I see you know that, what I mean? Yeah. And so like... So it seems like the ads are for me if they're more toned down. Yeah, like they're just still they're still trying to sell me Pokemon. <laughs> that's exactly what's going on if you think about it. Because I mean, like they why do why do they keep IPs alive so people will follow them? They're not going to just keep rinsing their hands of a new audience every generation. You know, it makes sense that they want to market to everyone and still yeah. keep it kid friendly. I feel like Nintendo. I feel like the whole industry at this point knows that like millennials never stopped being gamers, and mm-hmm. the the portion of like the the pool of people that play video games now is so much bigger at a societal level. Like I, dude. Uh, the Wii alone is probably responsible for introducing not even just kids, but like 80 year olds to video games because there's so many games that like people's grandmas would play. It was fascinating. Um, but I guess I, I, I don't want to stray off on, on that topic. If you want to get to a game uh, you've been playing lately. Yeah. I, it's, right. I think, I think we talked enough about Valheim. Yeah. That's kind of what we've both been We've both been super nerding out on that one, and I think yeah. the only thing left I was going to say about Valheim was my reason for con- or my reason for considering it retro is just that it's kind of, not retro, but like retro styled, is that to the layman, to the uninitiated, and I mean people who like don't. I'm talking about the people who don't give a fuck about stretching a four by three image to sixteen by nine and playing and, and having mm-hmm. a great time. Um, those people could be shown Valheim and I think if they didn't ever hear the word Valheim ever they they would probably mistake it for an older game at first like it it looks very like very early 2000s uh survival yeah. I, guess, I guess yeah survival like graphically yeah I would compare it a little bit not in style necessarily but like as far as like the texture sizes and mm-hmm. Uh, polys and stuff. It kind of has a little bit of a World of Warcraft look to yeah. it. I would say, if World of Warcraft were capable of tessellation on the on the environment, yeah. Right now, I'm glad you did bring up graphics though, because we didn't talk about how the game looks yet. Yeah. Because um, yeah, so basically, how it looks is it's got the kind of World of Warcraft level of of textures and uh and models and stuff but the like technology and the effects on it are gorgeous the way that like when it storms the whole place gets misty and all the trees are blowing in the wind and like and their leaves are are rustling and you know the everything's (laughs) going in the direction of the actual wind and uh 
Sorry and, to laugh. And, I'm just remembering that 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 what you just mentioned gets weird though, because like if you if you do like I do and only play it in a multiplayer fashion, which I'm guessing most people do, um, you, can, my friend and I, so I built a wolf trapping camp near the mountains, like at the border, uh, okay, yeah. in in the forest, and he was over in the camp helping me build up the tower because I made like a an elaborate thing to to just defend it, and uh, he's. He walks up to the mountains with me because I was like, dude, I want to show you. This is how you trap them. You, 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 you aggro them, you pull them back down here, and then you remove the floor and they fall. But, like, he didn't go as far into the mountains as I did. I aggroed him immediately, and he started running back. I was like, run, dude, run. They'll one-shot you. Get out of here. Uh, and he runs. And, like, I start getting the freezing debuff, which, if you don't know, if you're in the mountains without a certain cape, I think it's a lox cape, you you get a debuff called freezing. And that's worse than the debuff called cold, which is where your stamina doesn't recover, but so fast. Freezing actively doesn't recover your stamina, and it hurts you. Uh, you're Like, you will die. And what you just mentioned with the weather effects, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a proximity thing. Because as soon as I got the freezing debuff, the... The snow starts following me and growing down the mountainside as I'm walking, and like the air gets thicker and it gets really foggy and hard to see. Like a, you're in a blizzard, and my my buddy James is over here to the right. Like, dude, I'm fine. There's no snow here. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, um, snow specifically, I've noticed that with when, or, or in general when you change biomes, you kind of yeah. get that. And I think we've all seen that in games a little bit. Where, mm-hmm. like, in Dark Souls, there's, there, there's this tunnel that goes into Blight Town from the back. And the moment that your character steps over the logical seam between the one area and the other area, the new, like, color coding comes in, however you want to say it. Like, the filter or the color yeah. correction to set the atmosphere of that place, right? The moment you step over that seam the whole sky changes colors, right? And it mm-hmm. just darkens, and it's like, oh, okay. And then you step back, and it reverts. Um, it's this... it's kind of like the uh, the Oblivion effect, I guess you could term it, if, you're, if, you, if you draw it back to the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. When you'd walk near to a portal, uh, a portal to Oblivion, the area around you starts, like, burning. <laughs> yeah. The, like, the, the, the grass becomes, like, singed and dead. All the trees start, like looking like they've been burnt that's just near kvach where they programmed it that way but like the sky box will change to like it'll go from a nice blue milky way to just red and ashen clouds and there's lightning and you just hear earthquakes going on in the distance and like everything just looks hellish just standing near the portal not even looking through it it's just literally the whole world around you just became that right right so yeah, like we've all kind of seen games that do that, where when you change areas, it changes the whole effect of the world around you, and it's kind of silly when it's really obvious. Valheim definitely does that, especially with like the mountain snow, uh, or there's another biome that shall not be named, but uh, uh, for spoilers' sakes. But I've had to like when I'm when I'm sailing around trying to find a certain area, I can't get too close to the shore because if it's this certain biome and I'm too close to the shore, so the game considers me to be in it, suddenly mm-hmm. it's just instantly way too dark to see anything. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I fuck, I gotta go a little bit back into the ocean. 
On that note, too, when you look from afar into one of those biomes when you're not in the right setting for the lighting, it looks really goofy, kind of, you know? Like looking yeah. in on the swamp or this other unnamed It's just biome. like this weird, uh, this this weird, nice, beautiful, like, scenery, and then just in one patch, there's just, like, abnormally tall, abnormally barren, dark wood trees that... Right. But, yeah. like, it's still bright there, you know? Yeah, but then, But then fuck. once you actually walk in, it darkens, yeah. Um, I, I was getting the same effect. I was just watching... I haven't watched very much of this. Not to... Oh, my gosh. Not to bring up Dark Souls about every single thing, <laughs> but... I was watching someone play a Dark Souls randomizer, and I I know that those are super old news, but, like, I've never really watched them before. I was just watching someone play one, and the thing that stands out the most to me is that effect of, like, seeing something in the wrong lighting, where... Mm. When you see something from like uh something from like Blight Town, the place that's all like really darkly color coded, right? When that enemy gets randomly put into a bright sunny place, it looks fucking weird, you yeah. know? And it looks kind of scary. You don't recognize it at first, you know? Like death claws and fallout, yeah. Yeah, like you kind of see them in like this this different like lit up lighting and and because you're not used to seeing them in that color, you don't even recognize it at first, and it's, like, really weird and, and creepy looking for a second, and then you realize, oh, it's just that thing that I've seen before. Uh, so that's just an interesting effect of that. But anyway, okay, so not talking about the goofiness of Valheim's graphics with the biome changes, the actual tech of the game is gorgeous. So, like, it's got the World of Warcrafty kind of textures and polys, but, like, when I'm talking about the rain, you know, it gets foggy all over the place, right? And then the lightning strikes, and, like, you can see the lightning lighting up the fog with all the trees going. It looks gorgeous. Or then, like, you go out sailing, you know? Or fishing, yeah. And, and it starts raining on the ocean, maybe? Or even even when it's not raining, and you're on these big waves, oh, you know? Like, God, it looks so good. So like and it's terrifying. Yeah, it's um like oh man, the first time I was sailing out on on just a raft, you know? And like I'm on these huge waves and <laughs> and when I come back down the raft is like getting damaged and shit and it's it was like terrifying cuz like I'm going to lose all my stuff if I die here. I don't know what happens if you die in the middle of the ocean, you know? So oh, yeah, I like unfortunately it, do. It was just a a a wonderful like atmospheric experience but my point though is that it's really neat the way that the game is only it only takes up like it only it, the game is only about a gig on your hard drive and that's because it's got these small these low poly models and these small textures that are that are pixely you know so it doesn't take up very much space on your drive but you play it and because of like the technology behind it it looks really gorgeous and I like that. I, I I have big appreciation for that. Yeah, I think it was only like 700 megabytes when I downloaded it. It's fascinatingly... I mean, I, I, okay, so the game works off procedural generation, which I guess allows it to have a very small initial file size. So Yeah, it's worth noting, yeah, that once you, like, explore a lot, if, you're, yeah. if your world is locally on your computer, like you're not renting a server or something, then, yeah, that, that world does get up to be about another... My, our world, I think, is, like, 45 megs right now. 
So not like bad. That. So yours is probably and yours is probably bigger than mine too. So yeah, it's still not too bad. I, I the only thing I don't like about it when it comes to those polygons is how bad it'll slow down your game if you're near it in game. Like your 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 frame rate will just drop to like nothing if you've got a real dense area. Yeah, we should mention. So th- we didn't even mention at any of this that this game is early access. Oh yeah. So this game's, that early, <laughs> this game's early access right now, and yeah, that 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 is my one like criticism of it is that I really hope that a lot of optimization gets done. From what I've heard, is it is mostly dependent on how much terraforming you've done. From what I've yeah. heard, that is what slows down your game the most, is doing a lot of digging or raising of ground or leveling of ground, anything that changes. because And it makes sense. If you think about it, the game knows the entire shape of the world based on the seed, right? Mm. Literally 10 Unicode characters yeah. defines the entire scope of, or shape of the entire world. And so the game can always generate the world around you based on those characters, except every little hole you've dug, every little every little thing that you've changed, the game has to remember that it's Just different yeah. from the seed. And so makes sense to me. I don't know. I'm I'm half talking out my ass here, but it makes sense to me based on that logic that terraforming would equal uh, it taking longer to tell you what the world is shaped like, you know what I mean? Which means it might not even be as big of a deal if you if you are on a local world and it's not having to communicate with the server, you know? Because, like, the world database is held server-side, so when it needs to load in a new area and the shape of it, it has to retrieve that from the server, right? That probably causes a frame hitch, maybe. I don't know. I don't know about frame hitch, but it definitely causes lag if your server is shitty. I've had, I've had to unhost nitrato and go somewhere else um yeah i don't want to get too off topic or or too too nitty gritty but i'm actually stuck on nitrato i downloaded my database file and my fwl uh and i loaded them onto a local server and it, it won't open them and i tried to put it into my local files to just load up the game single player and it it will not load the world that's weird. I, yeah. I didn't have any issues at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. So, so I was forced to buy another month. Since I'm only playing with Nicole, you know, we were like, well, we're both in the same house. I might as well just download the world from the server I rented and host it on a local PC, and then we'll we'll be able to play better, you know. But uh, something about our world, we made it so that the so that it can't reinitialize. So I'm worried that if our Nitrato server ever has to restart, that it's just gonna fail and we're gonna lose our world. Yeah. Okay. So what's a what's a game that you've been playing that you've been wanting to talk about? Oh, dude. All right. So Bravely Default Two came out on Switch, mm. and uh, let me tell you, this game wants me to hate it so badly, like. Mm. Oh, God. So, as I mentioned about the first Bravely Default and about this one now, I'm not going to talk about spoilers here, all right? This is going to be spoiler-free. I'm not very far in the game, so I can't really spoil things. Um, But it is still... It's still got that really great gameplay that the first one had as far as, like, the job system's great and the battle system is really fun, you know? It's got that going for it. I really like that. But... 
oh man, so many things about it are bothering me. Mainly presentational issues. The plasticky characters you were yeah. before. Yeah, so I talked about that on the demo, and I really gotta ream on it for a minute here. This game's fucking motion blur, dude. Oh, it's yeah. like... I, I think I can attribute most of my problems to the game, uh, uh, of the presentation of the game, as that it's on Unreal Engine. I feel like a lot of the <laughs> issues are Unreal Engine based. The fact that it's got this like plug-in motion blur effect on everything, the bad loading times, the plasticky looking characters, I think that those are all Unreal kind of things. But man, the motion blur is the worst offender of everything. Because here's the deal. When you are playing uncharted or bloodborne or games like that that have motion blur or doom like new doom um th the motion blur comes from when you're whipping the camera around and that kind of thing right but when you're just running forward there's not too much to blur because there's not much motion happening at the center focal point of your screen, right? So it's not really getting blurred. Maybe the stuff on the sides are. That's fine. That's immersive. You're not really looking at that. It's fine. This is a JRPG. <laughs> Bravely Default 2 is a game where you will have an overhead camera, right? You have an overhead, like, isometric view camera. Maybe it's not isometric if it's not at 45 degrees. I'm not sure about the specifics there. Do you know what I mean? I haven't seen the motion blur itself, but I'm assuming, like, say you order this character in your party to attack. He runs up and attacks, but it, is he, like, blurry when he runs up? Yeah, the whole, like, they don't even have to <laughs> run up. They just kind of attack in place, you know? And their attacks oh. are very quick animations. But, yeah, they're just a big fucking blurry blob while they're <laughs> doing their animations, and it looks terrible. But, no, the worst part of it, like, all of that looks bad, yeah, but the worst part of it is when you're in a dungeon, right? Because when you're in a dungeon, you've got an overhead camera, and that overhead camera dollies with your party. So, uh, that means so that you have, you, have you have this sweeping shot where every single time that you are running in a dungeon, whenever you are just moving... The whole dungeon is scrolling across your screen, so the whole fucking thing is blurry. I think that is intentional. Because if you if you think about it, what they're if it is intentional, I'm assuming the best of intentions here, because if you're in a dungeon, the idea is that you wanna be you don't wanna be in a comfortable space. You wanna feel as if you're feeling a sense of distress. And if you're gonna be running, then you're probably gonna get a little bit of tunnel vision if well that makes we're sense. not like sprinting for our lives i just mean that the action oh, walking along <laughs> yeah the action of just moving in the game blurs <sighs> everything out and it it looks so bad that like i i can't believe that it's in a big budget game you know like maybe it's not the biggest budget in the world but like it's a square enix game you know i feel like this is the kind of like just super amateur kind of mistake of like, oh, you got the motion blur module. I don't know how video games work really about how like to make them, you know, but what it looks like is that the motion blur is like a plug-in effect that automatically happens. And so they're just like, yeah, motion blur. That's what good looking games have. Throw it in, you know, and then it just has this side effect of this is not the type of game that you wanted on because of yeah. these these the way that the camera moves just makes everything look like a blurry mess. 
But it does happen, like you mentioned, uh, like the animations in battle. It happens on those also, and that looks bad. And, like, it's even... There is a part where, so every battle that starts, the camera kind of sweeps across your party to show everybody, like, ready to fight. But again, here's this camera dolly motion happening that with motion blur means that everything it's trying to show you is blurry! And, like, <laughs> it even... So there's even a part where they want to, like, they, they bring you... They bring up this little tutorial, right? Where, like, when you do a certain thing to get into a battle, it, it, it gives you a bonus at the start of the battle, right? If you hit a guy in the back on the field, then you start the battle ahead, right? Uh, with an advantage. And it, and it tells you that as it's sweeping past the party, it tells you on screen, your party's feeling brave or whatever, you know? And, and like, that's good. But it gives you the tutorial for this mechanic and shows you the screenshot of of the text on screen saying your party's feeling brave or whatever with the party behind it blurry like <laughs> there's this fucking screenshot that the game is using as a baked in tutorial and the screenshot is blurry because so of the motion they saw blur. this yeah <laughs> they so saw it's this like, in development <laughs> oh man it's it's ridiculous i know i've spent a lot of time on this one thing but like god the game just looks shitty to look at well and, the whole point of what we're doing is to boil it all the way down. <laughs> it's just driving me fucking nuts while I'm trying to play this game. <laughs> this um, is a Square Enix game too, right? It is Square Enix, yeah. Was it developed by Square Enix? Uh, that's a really good question. I think it's made... No. No, it's like made by... I want to say the company Ms. is called American? Silicone Studio. Oh, Silicone Studio. Hey, it kind of goes on brand with the with the plasticky kind of character. Let's uh, that's look, true. I, I really hope I'm not wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure the the developer is called Silicone Studios, <laughs> and uh, they made another game also at some point, which I will flash the text of on the screen now because I cannot remember it right now. But they made another game that's kind of well known. Well, Silicone Studios, if you're listening, you fucked up. Not to, be <laughs> not to be confused not with Silicone you. Knights, who made Eternal Darkness. They know they fucked up when they made X-Men Destiny and Too Human. Yeah, well, uh, if, if it wasn't you, then sorry. But um, <laughs> I want to bring it back to a little bit to what you were saying earlier about how you think a lot of the issues with the game can kind of be chalked up to the fact that it's an Unreal game. And then I get to thinking about how I am playing an Unreal-based game, and I, I don't know what you're thinking of, but I think I might be able to relate in the Unreal-based game that I will talk about next week on next episode. Okay. Um, but what I was going to ask was, I've heard that Unreal just kind of... It's kind of like the Source engine uh, for, for, for games, where you kind of just know you're playing a Source game by the look and feel and how things move. Um, but, but with Unreal, I feel like a lot of games kind of look the same and I don't know why. And then I think about games that have an engine that's like, you wouldn't even know. Yeah. Like, like what we were talking about earlier, like with Valheim, that's a unity based game, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I played another unity based game recently called Phasmophobia and they are two entirely different games in look and feel. It's pretty fascinating how how like you can tell how something in Bravely Default is like, "Oh yeah, fuck, this is a this is definitely an Unreal game." And I was like, "If they didn't throw the Unity logo up on Valheim, I'd never know." 
Yeah, I I mean, can, yeah, right. Like, think of some of the Unity games you've played besides that. Like, Ori in the Blind Forest is a Unity game. I wouldn't uh, have thought that. Outer Wilds is a Unity game. Um, Weird. You know, so, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that, that engine, from what I've seen, really uh, takes... It doesn't seem to have those certain baked-in quirks that make you realize it. And also, for clarification, I should mention that any time that I bitch about Unreal Engine, I'm talking about Unreal 3 Unreal and 4. Oh, I thought you meant just specifically 4. 3 and 4. Because uh, Unreal 3 was like, you know, that that was like the rampant engine during the, the like, PS3 360 days. Yeah. Uh, where you had... Tons of games like looked and felt kind of similar in that. Like Alice Madness Returns was like just a uh, just a painfully unreal game, you know, and that kind of thing. Or Shadows of the Damned. God damn! You know what I'm thinking or realizing right now? I'm thinking um, that I never really considered how older iterations of the Unreal Engine felt. And I I think about it. So we got Unreal Four. That's like you know the engine that well that's it's probably kind of on its way out at this point if I'm honest but um that's the one we all kind of know now as like God the basis of so many games but like you can kind of like tell but if it's a little bit more cinematic something you wouldn't interact with or have a lot of feeling with like a JRPG I can kind of see not knowing it's Unreal unless you know the visual cues but then I think about like. Unreal 3. I think I think Mortal Kombat 9 was on Unreal 3. And I can see movement-wise and character, just like the physics of it, I can kind of see how that would feel if cuz the way I kind of tie it all together is how does it feel in relation to Unreal Tournament? What's okay? Dash is showing a his copy of MK9 on PS3, and that is the, that is Unreal. Yep, that is an Unreal logo on the actual label. So thank you for confirming that. Good call. Um, yeah, it's it. I, I it's it's weird to think of it because like you don't. I think game engines in the grand scheme of gaming are, is a relatively new thing. Like you used to have to just build up a game from scratch, from just base level code, uh, and now you can buy the license to use an engine and then just kind of play with it how you want and then that's that's your game. Um, so it's kind of a new concept for me to think of, but it's like, it's weird to think of Mortal Kombat in the same game design framework almost as Unreal Tournament 2013? or did they, I think, no, they just, no, they just called it Unreal Tournament 3 or Black or something. Um, I played that game for all of 10 minutes because while I love Unreal Tournament, uh, it's nobody else played that online because no one bought it. But like, I, I, I'm going back to like Unreal 1 here. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. just thinking, there's a continuity in this engine. Like They all kind of feel the same. So I can kind of see what you mean. But it's, I guess I just don't think about it because of the difference in genre. Yeah, I, I never really played uh, the old Unreal stuff. Really, all my experience with it, as far as I know, is mostly like 3 and 4. And it's always been the engine that just sticks out like a sore thumb to me as only being detrimental to the games that I've played on it. You know? <laughs> like all, like, wait, 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 wait. You just held up Mortal Kombat 9. Mortal Kombat 9 is a great game. 
Uh, okay. You know, I, yeah, I, I can't. I, you know, I, I'm not saying. I couldn't every let that game, go. <laughs> I'm not saying every game on it is bad. Uh, I'm just oh, yeah. saying like the the things that are very unreal always bother me. Like the texture mm. pop in is always one of the biggest things that people that that that's like something that I see most people recognize as like when you load in and everything's just like a smeary color of what it's supposed to be and then like level by level the detail loads into the textures over the next several seconds you know it's like that it's kind, like, it's kind of funny because what you're what you're bringing up is like it makes me wonder if they fully thought through the name of their engine. Like, you know, back in the back in the nineties when they created Unreal, they were like the marketing was this game's unreal. Like the Oh yeah, idea. it's a super nineties name. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, no, it's literally unreal. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's that's that side of bitching about Bravely Default, but like the battle system is still really fun and like the dungeons are okay to explore, but man, the other thing that's just really bugging me about it so far is the writing is, like, is so, like, humdrum, blandy boring. Like, Ugh. the first game I, ha I, I complained endlessly about because, like, the writing was so actively bad that it <laughs> infected the gameplay, you know? Oh, no. By, like, making you redo shit, you know? But this one is just kind of, like, really boring, the 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 writing like man yeah like i leave town at one point and like there's this there's this npc there who who starts up a conversation there's like a pig monster right and he's like here comes the here comes the cutscene and the monster's like oh you don't hurt me or, no no first the party's like it's a monster get it right and he was like oh no don't get me and they're like oh you can talk and he's like yeah i can talk and they're like oh wow i never see the monster that could talk and he's like oh well you're humans you didn't just fight me right away you must be pretty good people and they're like oh but you're, you know, you can talk you know and it's just like oh god it's so Boring. That was a really good reenactment, dude. And like, <laughs> and then, oh, can you go? I dropped my ring. Can you go find it for me? Oh, we're just, uh, we got nothing better to do. Yeah, we'll go find your thing for you. Thank you. It was given to me by the man, and I don't know him anymore. Okay, okay, okay. Can I just ask this? Do you hate JRPGs? Because it sounds like you hate JRPGs. Okay, well, <laughs> so... I, the thing is, at this point of this of this particular cutscene, I'm just fucking skipping the dialogue now, and I <laughs> like never do that in games. Oh yeah, good, me either. Yeah. Um, but it, like it is just it's so bland and and just like every game ever kind of dialogue that I'm just like skimming it and skipping along, and uh, I, yeah, I just don't uh, it, it and then okay, so like. Another like writing example, right? And we'll we'll get in back into this particular cutscene in a second. But hey, hang on, what, you 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 started this off by saying you like this just, this game. Just just to clarify, the, right? Uh, I'm saying like the game wants me to hate it really bad, but okay. the job system and the battle system is fun enough that I'm sticking with it still. Got it. Uh, so Got it. like I'm in a dungeon and there's a guy with a side quest, right? Or no 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 no, I'm in town. I'm in town, and there's someone with a side quest. Okay, I go talk to the side quest person. They say, my husband went off to the dungeon, and I would like you to take him his lunch because I forgot to give him his lunch today. And I'm like, okay, sure. So, uh, you know, we, we get the side quest. 
going in the dungeon. I find the guy and I give it to him. But he says, oh, uh, I need a drink too. And I'm like, okay. So then you have to go back to the town, talk to the lady again. She says, oh, I can't believe he also forgot his drink. What an idiot, right? Go, go take him his drink. Okay, alright, I'm gonna go take him his oh, drink. Oh, god damn it, it makes you go back? Yep, and I talk <laughs> to him again, it. and he says, Oh, but, uh, you know, I need some silverware to eat this food. Can I'm you already pissed. Go to I'm my... Pissed. And, uh, like, this is... Uh, actually, the side quest <laughs> is to run back and forth, like, six times. You have to run back and forth three times, to do this side quest, and what's your what's the benefit is that, like, every time, all they say is, I forgot the thing, can you get it? Oh, he forgot the thing, you better take it to him. And there's nothing clever or funny or fun about the writing. And the whole time I'm doing this, I'm thinking about Yakuza like a dragon. Or uh. I'm thinking about Mario RPG. Games that, like... Like, Yakuza is a game where if, like, so the latest Yakuza game is a JRPG. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but, like, the Yakuza series are, like, brawler beat-em-up style games. Yeah, with I really... didn't know it was a JRPG. Wait, yeah. that's, that's like a dragon? Okay, yeah, I didn't know what that was. So the latest Yakuza game, they changed it to a JRPG. and that's the whole awesome. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Awesome, dude. And like the and like the the main character, the whole thing is like the main character really likes Dragon Quest. So he he like sees the whole world like Dragon Quest and he wants to be like a hero, you know? And they even make mention about the turn-based battle system where where someone says to Kasuga, the main character at some point, they say like uh, why why when you're fighting people, why do you just let them get hits in sometimes? Like it's a video game. You know, like they like they bring that up to him and stuff. And like, dude, the the thing about Yakuza is that like, if you the, that was that's just so self aware, but like not obnoxiously so. I love it's it. It's so good. And like the yeah. thing, what I keep thinking about that game while I'm playing Bravely Default because in Yakuza, your quest might be just to run back and forth between a couple people a couple times. But the writing is so good, and everything is so funny and heartfelt and excellent. Like, like you, you read every word of dialogue in the game because everything is so funny and fun. Yeah, so, like, you don't even really realize all that much that you're just running back and forth sometimes because, like, you're actually invested in what's happening in the side quest, you know? I... I don't want to. I know you're good about not giving spoilers. I, I, I'm not worried about spoilers, but I was gonna say I think Yakuza is gonna be the series that I replace the current game that I'm playing that is I'm that, gonna be talking about. Is that Shenmue? That's Shenmue. <laughs> I'm playing Shenmue, but I didn't want to talk about it till next week. That's okay. Be my okay. Game. I've heard a I lot of people it. say like I've never really played Shenmue, but I, I've heard people say that Yakuza is like Shenmue but good. <laughs> It's, well, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> uh, Shenmue is, every time someone comes to my stream while I'm streaming it, and I don't even know why I'm streaming it at this point. No one likes it. <laughs> but I, I, it's, I, I have to have closure. That's kind of it, I guess. And I want everyone else who did stick around to, to watch it too. But um, everyone who asks me if Shenmue is a good game, I tell them, 
I will sing its praise as I'm actively pissed off about it. And uh, everyone who asks if it's good, I will say, it's Shenmue. Buy it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely buy it. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that <laughs> next week then. But yeah, so anyway, the point is, though, it's like, in Yakuza, like, I, I, there's like, there's one, I, I'm going to talk about one particular side quest real quick. And it'll, so it'll, I'm going to spoil one side quest of the game, all right? All, like, so you're walking along and there is a crawfish sitting on, you're, you're walking over a bridge, over, uh, like a, uh, I don't know, it's water, but, like a dock, um, and you're, and there's a crawfish sitting in the middle of, like, the street that is the bridge, right, and Kasuga goes, oh, you shouldn't be here, uh, you should be in the water, and so he takes this thing. Is it alive? Yeah, and he takes this thing in his fist and just, he doesn't just toss it into the water. He does this full fucking baseball fastball. Just oh my God. hucks this thing as hard as he can. A hundred, I really hate this character. A hundred feet away in into the river. Which <laughs> is, first of all, is just hilarious. Like, the way to kick off this quest, he right? He really needed something to throw. <laughs> <laughs> so you're already laughing just at, like, the way that this is presented. And then, yeah. so this, but then this homeless guy runs over to you and he's like, No! Oh! That was my beloved crawfish! I love her! I, her name is something, I don't remember the name, but she's got a name, it's a her. He's talking about how he's been raising it and feeding it and, and he's Aww. so attached to this thing. So now you gotta go find it. She's got a yes. X marked mark on her back or something. So now, so then you gotta go and you and and oh god, sorry, dude, I'll go find. Okay, yeah, I I don't want, I don't want any of the dialogue there because I'm sure it's actually really good. It's all great, like the writing is so good. And then like, okay, all right, I'll go find the crawfish. So then you gotta go over to the to the side of the dock and you gotta look at all the crawfish <laughs> until you find the one that's her, you know. <laughs> and and like again, gameplay wise, not that exciting, you know. You're walking along. The side quest initiates. Now run to the dock, pick up the things, and match the thing that they said. Like, there's nothing actually exciting happening, but it's... Yeah, but the good writing carries it. Exactly! Like, like... Sorry, go ahead. So then you find the crawfish, and you bring it back to the guy, and he's so happy that you brought it back, and then... Uh, and then it's revealed that he wants to cook it. He's been raising this thing for all, for all the time just so that he can cook it and eat it. And what he's the like fuck? and he and then he starts like offering Kasuga like he I, I think he wants Kasuga to eat it with him or something. Um but then if eventually it turns into like a fight with the guy and you summon the crawfish army to fight him with Oh, this uh, isn't like a dragon. Yes. I thought we were just talking about normal, uh, normal. Uh, God, so I, I was thinking about this in a yakuza, like like you know, new age beat 'em up kind of context, not not JRPG. Yeah. So you were doing a gathering quest, and is it like? Are th- I haven't seen the graphics. Is it like kind of like Game Boy overhead, like old school Zelda Pokemon? No, it style, looks or? just like the other yakuzas. It's just that when oh. you when you get into a fight, um, uh, it's like everybody's kind of standing around, you know, eyeing each other up, and and you pick. You pick your things off of a menu, you know? Go do the brawler attack so he runs up to him and he gets him, you know? 
but you got to be it's it's kind of like it's got a little bit of like uh like chrono trigger spacing to it where mm. um where like if there's an enemy between you and the guy that you want to fight and you you click to attack them you know, you start to run to them, but then the guy that's between will, like, intercept the attack, you know? So you got to be careful with your spacing and that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it looks just like the other Yakuza's, but the battles that's are turn-based. kind of disappointing to me. I was kind of hoping they'd take it a little bit more extreme. Oh, gotcha. I, okay, so a little about me. You, you know I'm nuts for, like, Pokemon and the Game Boy era. I, honestly, I just love the Game Boy. It's, like, it's... Pr- I hate I hate thinking about it, but it's probably my my favorite console. Like, if you consider it a console, it's definitely my favorite handheld. But I think of the graphics, and then I think, man, I remember that one time I played Dragon Ball Z: The Legend of Goku, and it was just like watching the anime if it were uh, Pokemon graphics, except you all Zelda graphics because you know you actually had an active swipe attack and then a, a projectile attack. Um, terrible combat, but like. It's a. It's kind of like a. I played through the whole thing, even though it was really fucking hard to beat Frieza and shit, uh, because just the simple gimmick of getting something that I love on the TV, like in a realistic quote unquote, like at least a more realistic cartoony kind of thing, in a much more compact package where it's so important to write and develop the game well because. If you don't, no one's gonna buy it after spending one minute of what one minute and like just never touching it again. Mm-hmm. But like if they had that in Yakuza style, I would like I'd be super interested in playing it. Gotcha. So uh, anyway, like the the what I my point here also like I mentioned Mario RPG right to give an older example yeah. of this kind of thing. There uh, there's a part right in the very beginning of the game. There's this mechanic in the game called timed hits. Where when you select an attack in Mario RPG, when he's when Mario's doing the punching attack and you hit the button again at the right time, you get some oh, extra yeah. damage, right? Same thing with defense. If you hit the button at the right time, you defend extra and that kind of thing. And it applies to all the characters. It's a huge mechanic of the game. It's called timed hits, right? Mm. At the very start of the game, you've got this moment where you're talking to toad at your mario and you're talking to toad at your house and this goomba comes in and he wants to fight right and toad is like oh oh no uh oh oh, no the goomba's attacking and he turns to mario and now this part is verbatim um he at well first he asks you if you know about timed hits right time for the tutorial and if you say yes he toad turns back to the goomba and says, you better watch out, he knows about timed hits. <laughs> and that is the funniest fucking thing to me. And, like, it's just, <laughs> the writing is so good in that game with that kind of thing. Where all that is, all that is is a tutorial, right? It, uh, just your humdrum ass tutorial, do you know about this thing, yes or no? But they make it into, like, a funny, entertaining thing. So yeah, it, come to think of it, I do remember Mario RPG. Um, well, I didn't play RPG, but I played, uh, or maybe I did. I played one kind of RPG kind uh, Mario game, and I do remember the writing being like uncharacteristically snarky for Mario. Mario games are very uh, like they have a lot of sarcastic humor in them, and and generally like generally really funny great writing like all, all of the mario games that have a lot of writing in them being paper mario or the mario yeah, and paper luigi mario games 
Which system was it for? N64. Yeah, that would be Paper I, Mario. I loved it, actually. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Yeah, those games have always had super good writing. You don't really expect mm-hmm. it because Mario on NES is just Save the Princess, you know? Mario on yeah. Wii is just Save the Princess. But when you play the ones that have writing in them, have dialogue in them, they they go the extra mile with Mario dialogue. Like, those games always have really funny, really great writing. And that's my point. So I'm playing Bravely Default. These these other games, they're able to take these really humdrum activities like a fetch quest or a tutorial, and they're funny and fun and engaging, and you love it, and the characters are great, and you just have a really great time with it just because the writing is so good. And then this is the exact opposite where it's like, I man, like I don't even want to do the side quests because yeah. there is zero to get out of them as far as entertainment goes you know just like other games they want you to go fetch the thing they want you to go chop the grass down to find the thing they want you to go kill three goblin archers and what do you get out of it nothing oh thanks Uh, and that's gold well that's what i mean they say oh thanks and then you get like an an item or something and it's like i don't i don't care i don't want to do these side quests because they're not fun uh so you gotta be you gotta be gear crazed like in a game like world of warcraft to to tolerate doing that yeah yeah there's also just like a bunch of really weirdly written dialogue just a lot like like there's one i get like i guess uh, like this isn't gonna be that spoilery but like i technically maybe a tiny bit there's one part where like you gotta go uh team up with like a prince uh, so one of the characters in your party is a princess, and then the others are not, you know, but she's teamed up with them, right? Mm. And there's a part where, like, you got to go team up with a prince, and during the first uh, conversation that you have with him, Seth, the main character, pipes in to say, like, yeah, that's a good idea about something, right? Until then, the whole conversation has just been with the princess talking to the prince, you know, but everyone else is there. Seth just says huh. something super innocuous, like, yeah, great idea. And, and he's like, oh, how dare you speak up, you commoner, when the royals are talking, you know? And everyone's like, whoa, dude, no, that's not okay. Uh, like, or, or they, don't, they don't say that. They say, whoa, dude, hey, he, no, we know him. He's cool, is like what they yeah. say. He's cool. Be, be fine. And then w- way, like, later in the game, uh, or, or, like, later in after you do the dungeon, he... Apology. He does apologize to Seth, like, "Oh, I thought you were just some commoner, huh? Sorry about that." But that's it. And it's like, wait a second, no, like you've got a problem, dude. Like, yeah. like where, like, don't apologize to Seth. You've got this like class problem that maybe needs yeah, to like, be addressed a little I bit. <laughs> I was like, a little bit classes, dude. Yeah, Jesus. like it's like, <laughs> what a filthy peasant! Oh no, no, dude, he he's like, no, he's washed, he's fine, dude. Right, like it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just like it. I don't know. It just seems like an opportunity for the game to have a little bit of a heartfelt moment where someone's like, yeah, that wasn't cool what you did, as opposed yeah. to just. Oh, sorry, I was an asshole to you. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just, it, 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 like, there's just kind of weird stuff like that where I'm just like, who is writing this game? Where it, it, the the reason that that wasn't the thing is just because it's it's the most bare bones basic writing in the world. You know, where it's yeah. just the guy comes with us for a minute. Okay, we did the thing, and he 
he said his thing and 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 now we're on to the next thing and it makes me wonder if like that's like that's probably just the area that they chose to cut you know because i I, i've heard from a couple different devs you know they all kind of say the same thing it's honestly a miracle if a video game makes it to release at all so like you gotta wonder where they're cutting the game like what corners are they cutting in a game to meet both the deadlines that their boss has probably set for them and also like how, what they have money to pay employees for for sure it's like it but like bravely default i wouldn't consider like that I don't really know how this this rating system started, but it's I wouldn't consider it a triple A game, quote unquote. Um, so it's probably not the main focus of Square Enix at the moment. So I wouldn't imagine it has all that much funding. When you told me the name of the studio that it was, it wasn't a name I recognized. And I'm not an expert on game studios, but I've I've heard a few, and yeah. that one's not familiar. I yeah I mean it is the the sequel though right like I don't know I would imagine that they'd be trying to impress with it but yeah I know what you mean also there's things where like you can tell that like the game is just put together in a way that the people making it didn't necessarily know while they were making it as in like the like the writer right the writer doesn't exactly know how everything is going to be put together in the end it seems cuz there's also this mechanic uh called a party chat where as you're running around um it might just say hey there's a party chat press start right and then that just brings up a little mini cutscene where the characters just have a little moment right uh, it's just a tiny little conversation and like as a writer you don't really know when that's going to happen when the player is going to engage in that first of all when you press the button like okay i'm going to do it the game freezes for 4 seconds before it actually brings it up and just shit like that is just all over the game every time that you pause the game it freezes for a moment like there's just frame hitches all over the place on top that's of like obnoxious. oh god uh, <laughs> so like you can only wonder how much of um uh how much of that is like because of you know maybe if there was less motion blur on everything the <laughs> switch could run it properly anyway um, especially the switch <laughs> anyway sometimes those little conversations don't match up to like what's happening as in like i mentioned the thing where like the prince apologizes to seth right but then there's like a party chat later where they're kind of speaking as if that didn't happen you know, and so it just it just kind of throws you off where it's like, eh. is, is it one of those multiple pathway games that like you can't tell what like you kind of have to make the game 12 different times dialogue wise. And then you they just kind of have to choose which uh, pieces get into what scenes, mm. I guess. There, There's no uh, choices that you make ever. Not even like mm. little fake choices of just like saying, yeah, cool. Wow. Or so it's maybe. just really linear then. Yeah. Super linear. And that I'm fine with. You know, mm. I'm fine with a JRPG that's super linear. It's it's like my favorite genre. One last thing I'll say about it is that, like, you you asked me, I did want, I'm glad I remembered this, you asked me, like, it sounds like I hate JRPGs when I'm describing the yeah. writing. The thing about a lot of it, for me, honestly, is I, it's time to go, like, way back into hipster territory, so fair warning, I think that voice acting, in general, I'm not saying always, but in general, I think voice acting is unimmersive, because... It's never perfect. 
when you just imagine the dialogue in, in your head like you're reading a book, you, you make up all the characters' voices, you do the inflections yourself, you fill in all the gaps imaginatively. And in, like, an old JRPG where the characters are just little tile, like, little pixelated sprites on tiles. Where you're still reading the game. Yeah. yeah. Where they're all, they're all, it's kind of abstract, right? Where yeah. where the where everything is very little detailed. The characters move on, on block tiles and stuff, and text boxes come up. You fill in a lot of the blanks in your head, and you kind of yeah. make things make more sense. But when instead the cutscene is presented to you as... Here's all the characters. They're fully animated, fully modeled. They have they they can walk. They can do animations. They're voice acted. Now all of the little problems start to come out. Where yeah, that, they don't leave any for the imagination, so you pick it apart immediately. Yeah, it's like that line was delivered weirdly, or when yeah. this action happened, everybody else was just standing around and didn't react to it at all, and that looks weird. You know what I mean? You start to it, it makes the cutscene kind of look worse and and well it what it ends up doing is is it makes bad writing stand out more really oh absolutely um, yeah for sure when the writing is Gosh. bad and boring you're no longer filling the blanks in in your head like you do with an old 16-bit game because you're being shown exactly what's happening and exactly what's happening is boring you know uh i, I have a counterpoint mm -hmm. if you'll allow me sure um the counterpoint being back then yes there is less to go off of visually in the game but um that's not the the game isn't a hundred percent of what one person consumes that's back when nintendo uh you like you know game studios like konami they were hiring like these master just mural painters just insanely talented painting you know painting artists and all this shit uh and and then they also put a lot of work into their game manuals at the time as well as inserts if it had inserts so you've got a good fair bit to to see like like if you look at for instance Final Fantasy 5 and you look at the character uh I want to say her name is Ferris uh she is uh assumedly a he in the beginning of the game and uh sorry this is pretty early on if I'm spoiling this old ass game for anyone but you find out that this pirate is actually a princess um she is the daughter of a king of one of the kingdoms you are going to but she's like all tomboyish but still has like an air of femininity that you can just kind of tell and when i say those words you're probably not at all thinking about what ferris actually looks like which is like uh, I, I I I can't remember the name of the artist for the original, like the one who does all those like illustrated kind of form paintings for Final Fantasy. You know how they have like a unique element behind everyone. Like there's the there's the meteor behind Final Fantasy VII. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah, there's like the the mech suits for Final Fantasy VI. Um, it's it's that artist, and like I, I mean like. If you just look up like the character designs, they don't look anything like that. If you look at the like, here's Final Fantasy two on the Wonder Swan right now. Well, the camera's not going to see it well too well, but that's a white box. Final Fantasy two for the Wonder Swan color. Hopefully, you'll be able to see the art because the artist is known for doing like really white kind of like wispy kind of art. Yeah, you're probably not going to see it too much at all. 
here. Oh, well, there we go. There we go. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you can kind of see that, it's it's not like, it's not at all what you think she looks like. And, well, this is Final Fantasy 2, not Final Fantasy 5. So different character. But, uh, yeah. She has this really... <laughs> if you were to imagine what... Oh, yeah, there you go. That, uh, Chrono Cross, right? Uh, Final Fantasy 2. Final Fantasy 2? Oh, I don't recognize the... Oh, okay, that's the different art. Why did you get the cool art in the Wonder Swan just gets a white box? Now, this is Famicom, <laughs> dude. Japanese arts are always the coolest. Well, this is Japanese art. The Famicom, <laughs> the Wonder Swan was only in Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm special now because I'm because I have exclusive Japanese retro thing. <laughs> <laughs> Believe what I say about video games that <laughs> no one plays anymore. So, uh, so get to your point about about what that art does for you. Yeah, so the art makes it like it leaves a little bit less to the imagination when you kind of get a picture of like, whoa, that's what the character looks like. And then you kind of see the character art. And then like the, the writing will stand out because you'll know that a character in your main party has a certain kind of personality. We'll say it a certain kind of thing. But every like enemy, it's like just generic foot soldier one. Just they'll say, hey. You can't be here. Get him. Like it'll have just some stupid thing like that. That's that to me is 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 less immersive uh, than the real thing where I'm used to watching movies and video games like that are becoming more and more like movies. I can excuse bad acting. I can't excuse bad writing. To your to your point. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I, so in the manuals, yeah, they always have like these illustrations of the characters and stuff, and and I I think that that helps a lot. Like if you do pay attention to it, because then you're I I, I like the 16-bit cutscenes because you're able to apply the drawing that you've seen, and then you look at this like abstract character tiles kind of cutscene going on, and you sort of apply the drawing in the to that in your imagination, you know? Yes. Where, like, with the guard kind of thing, right? It's just going to be the two characters on their blocks next to each other, right? And and in your head, you're kind of imagining what's actually happening. He might... The yeah. guard might put his hand up, right? Or something like that. You know, ah, stop, right? Uh, and, and, like, have an animation to it. Or, 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 or well, that's how you're imagining it, right? Um, something like that. But in in, like... An actual game, a lot of the time, you've got these fully animated characters that are able to do that, but instead, it's like the character runs up and then stops and stands still, and then the guy pops up his yeah. text box, stop, you know, and now it looks weird. Now you're like, hang on, that's not how this would play out. I, what's going on here? Um, so, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, there's there's a retro-styled horror game um, called uh, faith that does an insanely good job at exactly that it's very it's not even polygons it's to just like it's it's meant to be styled after like a commodore 64 game almost um but like the small little movements of this basically a stick figure on the screen can be directed and animated in a way that your brain imagines that as if you were seeing it in like a person to person real life inter like interaction it's 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 a pretty cool effect because you don't get that with books and you don't get that with modern games unless they're like an indie like old school thing like that 
Yeah. So, yeah. To wrap it up uh, the, with Bravely Default 2. Oh, so those are all the things about, like, the writing that are just bugging me. There's also just little things. Like, it gets really nitpicky, but, like, just the way it's written. There's this part where this guy mentions to the princess, like, that there's some commoner that mentions to the princess that he's seen her before. Uh, oh, we actually met before uh, a few years ago uh, while I – he said, like – I was a, a castle guard, and we were doing our sword practicing one day, um, you know, and, and so I saw you when you came to the castle one day, and she's like, yeah, okay, and then he says, if I recall correctly, and then after saying that, he goes on to tell this extremely detailed story about about what she did when she was at the castle that he very very clearly made an impact on him and he remembers <laughs> very clearly so just this like if i recall correctly and it's just like i don't know man it's like the writing just Why would you remember that <laughs> well it's no the the story that he tells is like kind of interesting and like oh yeah okay. you would totally remember that i'm sure everyone would totally remember that you know and so just yeah. the fact though that he that he starts out by saying like this line that like implies that he's just kind of barely rem he's just kind of barely remembering it and uh, or or uh, like abnormally hostile and sarcastic <laughs> yeah i don't know it like it just stuff like that stands out to me where it's like it's it's really like just sloppy fast writing that was never edited it seems like you know what yeah. i mean um but yeah so i'm i'm just oh there's also the, the there's also the dimension that you have to think about which is how well it's translated to so uh, yeah, so I'm I'm getting past a lot of my issues with like the delivery of the voice acting and the actual writing. I switched the language to Japanese audio and it's There you go. It's helping a lot, dude. It it, it dude, it it doesn't make you a weeb. I don't care what anyone says. It there's so much like this this can this goes back to like me not wanting to show my family that I liked anime because like they wouldn't get it because they don't understand the differences in like tonal inflection and all that shit and it's like when even when you translate it to English it's like you realize later on oh this is just so much better in the language it was meant to be spoken it's nowhere near as awkward yeah um right a lot of the time when you're when you're watching something that was translated from Japanese a lot of the time you can kind of tell how much interpretation was done based on like the way that they structure things and like just the general yeah. demeanor like uh you know i i can't get super into it because i i don't really know for sure but i feel like a lot of the time when things are very directly translated from japanese they tend to be very very like direct statements you know um while uh you know like statement after another um while when it gets really interpreted uh, and kind of rewritten, then the characters kind of yeah. Uh, I think a lot, a there's more. a lot of context lost. Mm -hmm. I think. Well, maybe not context. Well, it's context in like you know of the circumstance and tone. Um, I think it's. I think there's less being described in the actual language. But I I don't know Japanese either. But that's that's what I that's what I get. Yeah. So the the other reason that it's really nice to turn it to Japanese is because this is also one of those games where um the characters shout a lot during the battles and they yeah. you know uh, 
uh, like when you strike an enemy's weak point, each character seems to have like two different things that they say. And because of this game's battle system, there are times where you'll do like four consecutive attacks to a character's weak point in a row. And every single one of those attacks right in a row, the character will shout out their weak point quip. You know what I mean? And so you just yeah. end up with the, oh, right in the soft bits. Oh, he didn't like that one. Oh, he didn't like that one. Oh, right in the soft bits. You know, and it's just like, oh, my God. You know, but when you turn it to Japanese, even when, like, or I should just say, when you turn it to a language that you don't understand, even if things are repeated, you don't get, it's not as annoying, you know? Because, like, like uh, it's kind of hard to describe. It's it's a little abstract. It's It's like... It's like when it, it's just one of the million things that is like just barely taking you out of the experience. Yeah. And and like the issue that I take with it, it, it uh, besides just kind of being annoying and that I'm hearing it over and over again is that a person doesn't behave that way, you know? Yeah. And you really only start to get that when you when you hear it in your own language and you go, "Oh, he's yelling that again," or "That's what he's thinking again." You know, it starts to take you out of it, but when it's just when it when it's when it's another language, and so you don't actually know what he's saying, then you don't have that particular problem of like he's just shouting the same sentiment over and over again. You know what I mean? Instead, it's just like that's the sentence that he says. Okay, cool. I'm fine with that. It sounded cool because it's in Japanese, and everything in that language sounds cool. But anyway, point is uh, that's helping me a lot. Um, the job system is extremely fun, and the other, like, really positive thing to say about it is that I've been playing it on hard mode, and I think that it is really well balanced. Like, hmm. um, I, I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about Valheim, I mentioned that, like, one thing that really is important for me in a game is when you have to engage in the mechanics in order to succeed, right? There are a lot of RPGs, a lot of JRPGs, where you spend the better half of the game just mashing A to get through battles. Yeah. Just attack, 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 attack. It just it doesn't matter, right? And um, That's why I don't like them mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. E even... Uh, um, even like some of you know it's like it's like that's my biggest complaint about Final Fantasy 7 right Final Fantasy 7 is one of my favorite games of all time i have huge nostalgia for it it's a wonderful game however it is too damn easy and you can just mash attack through way too much of the game right bravely default probably yeah so bravely default 2 i'm playing it on hard and like um at first since it has a job system, there's this job that everybody starts with called the freelancer that doesn't really specialize in anything, so they don't really have any great abilities, you know? Uh, like, or they don't have, like, much chance to exploit weak points of bosses and that kind of thing. Or they don't have, they're, they're missing certain key components to a working is, party. Is it kind of like that base class where it's like, uh where you start out a JRPG and you kind of just choose your path based on what kind of armor you like and what kind of weapons you do and yeah and you just yeah it's, that way it, it's yeah. like the squire in Final Fantasy Tactics yep. it's like the onion knight in Final Fantasy three um, mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah it it doesn't really have any part like certain specific components that you need to a party like a healer you know. 
Um, but they do, if you master that class, you get an ability that increases everybody's JP. Like you get a passive ability that makes you get more JP. So what's JP? Uh, job points. That's what levels up your job. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the way that I play games, I'm like, well, everybody's a freelancer until they have it mastered then. However, <laughs> um, like I got to one of the first bosses and I actually couldn't beat it with everybody as a freelancer. I had to change the party to, you know, a, a guy that wears armor, a black mage, a white mage, and, uh, you know, a wild card. Uh, Boring. <laughs> I, I had to change my party to a work. That's a working party, Knox. That's like. Yeah, but it's, it's, that's what, <laughs> it's always that. It, well, this, the, these that, are, that formula of a working party those are the first, every JRPG. Those are the first jobs you get. I only had those to choose from at this point because this was very early okay. in the game. Okay, I'll, I'll forgive that. Okay. Then. The jobs get real cool real quickly. There's a lot of, like, okay, cool good. jobs. Uh, anyway, so, but my point, though, is that, I like, it's difficult to play as all freelancers because they don't work, they don't have all these abilities, right? Um, it does have the, the secondary thing like Final Fantasy V has, right? Where it's like, here's my freelancer that also has white magic, and here's my freelancer that also has black magic, right? But I couldn't give them the stats and equipment in order for it to be good enough, right? So on this early boss, I had to actually go change my characters to the proper jobs so that they could actually heal with some strength and do magic with some strength to beat it. And I was like, yes, this game is not letting me just steamroll it tanking and, and just like not putting all that thought into my strategy because I'm too busy min-maxing. Instead, I, I had to strategize, and I give big points to the game for that. Okay, I've heard that before, min-maxing. Are you... What does that exactly mean? Min-maxing in general is like you you know what you want specifically, and so you ignore everything else. You minimize everything else in order to maximize that. As in like, uh, you know, like if there's an RPG where you can choose which stat points you put in, you know, you're going to put every single point into strength, right? Uh, unless maybe there's a point where you literally require to have one more point of vitality. So you have to put the one in there. But you've got it memorized, or you looked it up on the wiki, that you need to have that. And so you put only the minimum required in so you can maximize everything else, right? That's what it is. And and, and so the, the reason I find that boring is because I'm the type of person that wants to put all the points in, like... <laughs> like, um... Uh, Fuck, what was the word? Personality, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, um, courageousness. I, I don't know, whatever Guile, what the game would charisma. Yeah. Charisma, that's the word. I was I was wanting uh, just full charisma and, like, maybe one point of stamina. Mm-hmm. And just to run away when shit doesn't... When, when you can't talk your way out of a situation. That's the kind of game I like. Because I like to see how games do things... Uh, that they haven't done before or rather make a new immersive way like a new way of making a game to make it more immersive yeah so so the reason i brought it up with bravely default was that like basically i would like loosely define what i was doing with the freelancers as min maxing where i was ignoring all of the all of the jobs because i just wanted this one ability on everybody 
because it's a JP up. If I don't get that ability as soon as possible, then every battle I'm wasting JP until I get it. You know what I mean? That's true. Every battle that doesn't give me JP to Freelancer to get me towards that JP up ability, every battle, that's a waste of JP. You know what I mean? That's the mentality that gets you min-maxing, right? So that's why I say everybody was a freelancer until they had that ability, but I'm just giving the game big points in that I couldn't do that. I had to strategize for the boss, and so I like that a lot. I just don't even think about that stuff when I play those games. I just, like, well, I, I'm, mo I'm more focused on the story, and then, like, everything else mechanically-wise is, <laughs> is a hindrance mm -hmm. when it comes to JRPGs. So... If I'm not able to get through it quick, I don't like it. And if it's a complex puzzle, I'm not going to have the patience to solve it. Not in a game that takes 80 hours to, to beat without doing side quests. Yeah, I see, I, I love that stuff. I, I want, like, I don't know, maybe I'm asking too much, but I want the story to be good and I want the gameplay to be good. And to me, good gameplay is strategizing and you know having to like tactically plan out your turns and that kind of stuff because if you do things wrong then you die and you got to start back from the save and point I, and that's what i do a lot of when i play the games which is why i don't like them. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh so anyway there you go that's 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 what i've been that's, uh that's what i've been playing default. recently uh, yeah i've been playing valheim and bravely default to and we're at the two-hour mark just about, or almost. Uh, not quite yet. Um, is, there, uh, is there anything else you're... So you're talking about your other game next week. Do you have anything else that you're dying to talk about? Because I do have a game review to do. When it comes to game reviews, I don't get through games all very fast. And the games that I play a lot are games that don't have an end. So... Uh, well, I mean, you can still review those, obviously, but oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't call myself an expert on some of them. I, I, I'm just stoked to talk about games in general, so mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm charged for next episode, so I'm good. I'm good here. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right. I, I would say as far as that kind of thing goes, like, to me, it's at the point where, like, you don't have to beat a game to be able to say whether you'd recommend it to someone, you know? Oh, absolutely not, um, yeah. But, yeah. Like, you do need to play a little bit of it, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But th there are definitely times where um, where you wish you might wish you had that information after you already pulled the trigger on a review, right? Like uh, like I'm saying, you know, tons of people just because it's on topic still, you'll hear lots of people say, "Bravely Default One on 3DS, that was a great game." Didn't finish it though. But anybody that you talk to that did finish it, oh, there's uh, gonna be a different story. <laughs> that exist that exists for me for um uh, a couple games actually and yeah they all seem to be like that they're like oh well what did you think of this and i was like what and, was like, and they're like you didn't do this i was like no i just did this and had a lot of fun and loved the game yeah 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 um i i can't exactly think of an example though of the opposite where there's a game that like i wasn't really liking and then it did something huge to redeem itself Ah. Oh. Oh, hang on. I think... Because <sighs> it's hard to get through a game you don't like. Yeah. Um, 
Man, yeah, actually, that's pretty hard to think of, too. I thought I had a game, but then I realized uh, it didn't redeem itself at all. <laughs> it was a game that was like, it was more like I, I, I loved getting through it, but I hated actively doing it. And uh, at, it felt like it was building until the end, and then the end was just a huge letdown. Oh, yeah. And and I was pissed because I did all that for nothing. No, that's, I don't have a game that just redeemed itself at the end. This one just made it worse. <laughs> Yeah, it's Should I mention the name? Uh sure. Last of Us. Oh, Last of Us. the first Last of Us game? <laughs> the first Last of Us game. Yeah. I loved the ending of that game. I think all the money that that is going into The Last of Us should be instead pumped into Uncharted, but that's just me. I know that's a really unpopular hot take there. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not like super attached to either of those series at some point. You know, maybe what I think is Naughty Dog should they should make a new Jack and Daxter game, maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, bring see, Jack I, and Daxter back, baby! I I have a I have people who say that to me too. Like I, I one of my friends, he's been begging me to play Jack and Daxter live on stream for a long time, and I need to because he's he's a super supportive guy. But anyway, uh, I look at Jack and Daxter and I go. And I'd rather just play Ratchet and Clank, and then I'll play Uncharted because Uncharted is just so fucking fantastic. And Jack and Daxter doesn't. Nothing about it stood out to me. It was kind of like Sly Cooper. It was like the dying age of the game mascot when we were trying to have a mascot, but then we realized, eh, no one cares for that shit anymore. That's that's what that is to me. And I I only say Jack and Daxter. Uh, uh, Sly, damn it. Ratchet and Clank because I played a couple of them and mechanically they're very fun and very good uh, if you like platformers. Um, but yeah, it, it, eh. I never, I'd rather just see Uncharted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so I never played Jack and Daxter. I was just kind of saying that to be a dickhead. Uh, but uh, mm. it's funny that you bring up Ratchet and Clank though because I do remember those games having a bit of a rivalry, you know, Jack and Daxter or Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I think only though only Jack and Dexter was made by that, that's Naughty Dog yeah yep. so two big okay yeah yeah you're right because two big heads that's that's Lionhead Studio right that's the one who made uh, Ratchet uh, uh, Spyro mm. yeah Ratchet and Clank and Spyro same company let me think for a second because they uh, yes yes they were Insomniac. Bought- is the name Insomniac? Yep. That's what it was. Yes, Insomniac. They are an insanely good studio, but they stopped making Spyro games because uh, they got bought out. Well, the studio got bought out. Uh, like the IP got bought from them. I think when they merged with some big company. I want to say it might have been Universal. I can't remember. I this is not as good to recall. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. they like they, they. That's two big studios. That's Crash Bandicoot versus the Spyro, and. I'm a Crash Bandicoot fan through and through. Yeah. But I loved Spyro a lot. Like, the first one, and honestly, I don't like the remake. Everyone loves the remake on PS4. I don't like it at all. Of Ratchet and uh, Clank? I like the, or of, no, oh, Sp- of Spyro. I'm sorry, Spyro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the added content. Um, like, you, to, to what you were saying earlier, you were like, I like that Final Fantasy makes me do more of the imagine, imagination, kind of just filling in the blanks there, where this adds to the to to another game's blanks, you know? It adds cutscenes that would have otherwise been very boring and repetitive in the first game, but there's something about the first game that just, like, the first, the original games just look so much better to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 
it, it is interesting. Yeah, the 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 point about Spyro versus Crash. I think a lot of people, or Insomniac versus eh, all of those, because yeah, Spyro and Crash were like two of the major franchises on PS One, and then when they went to PS Two, both companies made a new thing. Right, Insomniac made Ratchet and Clank, Naughty Dog made Jack and Daxter. And then on PS3 is where it got kind of weird because then Naughty Dog moved on again. They left Jack and Daxter behind and made Uncharted. While Insomniac, at first they started just making more Ratchet games, but uh, but then they made Infamous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, no, no. Infamous was Sucker Punch. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's not, that's not, no. What am I thinking? They m- I do want to correct myself earlier when I said Lionhead. It, uh, I know you already corrected me, but Lionhead, I was thinking Lionhead because of uh, Fable. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because when you were talking about a game that kept building up to something and then it was hugely disappointing at the end, that was Fable 2 for me. <laughs> oh, oh, I was going to... Shit, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say the first one. You know, I don't... I, I, did. I don't think I even beat the first one, but I, I do remember hearing that uh, people were pretty unsatisfied with uh, with that game in general. I remember Fable 1 being hugely hyped up, and then when it came out, everyone acted like they didn't like it, but... Uh, um, I, hear, I remember it the opposite, yeah? because everyone i knew fucking loved fable including me the very first fable very good ending not so much but they they made a dlc uh when that was not a really a, a thing uh and released fable the lost chapters lost quote unquote mm-hmm. so they added content to the game they added a whole new northern content and like there was this cool ice quest and they added some more stuff so you actually the reason the end of the game kind of sucks is because at the end of the game is when you get the ultimate weapon, and that's when the game no longer has replay, replay value. Oh, like it's okay. like in Mario 64 when you get all 120 stars and Yoshi gives you 99 lives as a reward, and you're like, what the fuck what am the I going to do with for? these 99 lives, Yoshi? I already have all the stars. And it makes you feel so bad about getting it, too, <laughs> because in order to get it, you have to, like, join up with Vader, so to speak. I don't want to spoil the story too oh, much, sure, but like sure. you have to take the evil side, and then it makes you feel like shit because it's like, well, what am I gonna do with this fucking sword, dude? I just like, oh, I don't want to spoil it, but oh, I just, sure. I just did, I just did insert traumatic experience here that is your entire reason for existing as a protagonist mm-hmm. to get something that I now no longer can use. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> to clarify what I meant about the release of Fable One is what I remember was. Uh, like critically, I feel like everyone was uh, like, like uh, the m- watching like G4 TV and stuff. It was oh, what a disappointment Fable was. But the people I knew who were playing it really liked it. Uh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have an Xbox though, so I was not playing. Fable it Two, time. I heard was a huge letdown, and then when I heard about Fable Three, I heard a lot more people liked it. But most of the franchise fans were gone at that point because all the games were supposedly so different from each other. Like, they still haven't made a Fable like Fable 1. Like, I heard there was a lot of, like, town building and a little bit more politics around in Fable 2 and 3. I I haven't played 2 or 3, and I haven't seen a whole lot of it. I'm just going off what I said. And I largely skipped the Xbox 360 timeline, but Fable 1 was a fantastic ride to the top. Okay, so next week you can talk about Shenmue and remind me to bitch at you about how terrible fable 2 is because um okay. let me just say I, I there was there was one earlier thing you brought up that like you don't f- 
finish a lot of games or like it, it's hard to say that you have yeah. it, it, it's hard to stick with a game if you're not liking it is what you said and yeah someone actually asked me earlier today you know what's the worst game you've ever played and uh or, or like what do you think is the worst game ever or that kind of thing you know and that's a really hard and that's a really hard question to answer because if I'm not liking a game to the point where yeah, it's you a, just don't fucking touch yeah it. to the point where like it's a contender for the worst game ever I'm just not gonna play it enough to really know very much about it or say definitively that it's the worst because I I'm done with it you know uh but but then I did go well let's talk about Fable Two for a few minutes because I think that might be the worst game I've ever beaten. <laughs> <laughs> the worst game you've ever beaten, then. Okay, so this one redeemed itself at the end. Is that what you no! said? No! Oh! Oh, it didn't at all. God, okay, no. God. No. <laughs> I'll tell you about I, it some I, other time. It's just to add one more thing to this little bonus ending segment for those who are still sticking around. The worst game you've ever played. So one of the things that I like to do when I stream is play games that I purposely think would be bad because I think my suffering can make for somewhat decent entertainment value. Uh, so... On, I'll get a wild hair up my ass one day, and I'll just figure, why don't I just play this Barbie game I got for two bucks at the Goodwill? And now I've discovered that I'm on a hunt for good Barbie games. Have you played Barbie Explorer for PS1? Not yet, but I own it. I haven't tried it yet. I'm waiting to. That one is, um, is legitimately okay. Really good. So I bought I bought two different ones um, so far. On PS2, I bought Barbie as the Island Princess, and it is a minigame game where there is not a lot of minigames, and the minigames that are there are just horse shit. Like, they're just terrible. I, I like... I get that it's a kid ga- a kid's game, right? They're supposed to be easy, but the like the way th- it feels like there's about a month's worth of input lag, and uh, the visual cues of it are not really on track to to the to the way of how how events are kind of playing out. Um, the tutorials are fine; it it tells you how to play the mini game, but like actually doing it is another thing. Like it doesn't feel like a smooth playing game. Yeah. And then there's a uh, yeah. And then there's Barbie uh, as uh, Barbie Horse Rescue or Barbie Horse Rescue Adventure or something like that. That's the one I started playing with my friend Nikki on stream, where you just kind of catch as many wild horse. It's Wild Horse Rescue, uh, <laughs> and it's a gathering game for horses, except. It's not open world, which is kind of you know what makes gathering games interesting. It's on track, and you ride through it like like a Crash Bandicoot game, but shitty. <laughs> like you know the segments of Crash Bandicoot where you're riding the tiger down like the Great Wall of China oh, yeah, or something. Yeah. Is yeah, imagine that except with no action. It's slow. It's laggy, and uh, the the geometry of the environment makes it so you can't even run in a, on a straight line in a flat plane at times. Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes you play a game like that, and it's like it's only difficult because of how shitty the, it controls. Yeah, and like yeah, like like just the the game is like falling apart at the seams, and it makes it very difficult to technically to play it you know but then like oh some games they just leave it that way and so it's like oh what's the hardest game you've ever played is generally not a game that has a legitimate challenge in it it's probably something that was just fucking broken (laughs) you know um or so well then you think of like wings of v 
Well, that's what I'm saying. That like that's a very very difficult game, but it's so solid, you know that uh, yeah. that like you once you learn it, you can be good at it. But when a game is just so broken, you know it's it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to even get used to it and get good at it, you know, because there's nothing to get good at. It fucking it's just it's just falling apart. Um, and, but, you know, and then maybe they'll course correct and well, we'll just make you have a shitload of health or something, right? We'll make it really hard to lose. So then you just end up with this frustrating game where you're constantly getting this feedback loop of you're doing poorly because you're running into everything and losing health all the time, but you're not losing. So you just kind of keep going, but the whole thing is frustrating. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that kind of thing that, but yeah, that can go that that mentality though can can seep into games that are good but just need to be a little harder. Sometimes you end up with that experience with a good game just because it's not hard enough. Perfect example. I've never I've never encountered that actually. I've been perfectly fine to be bored and and never put a game back on again. This goes way back into my my talk earlier about how like I want games to make me engage with the mechanics and learn them. Yeah. Uh, so Batman Arkham Asylum was a game that I was playing for a bit, and I didn't really get how you were supposed to do the combat at first. I was mashing the attack button the whole time, you know? And when you sit there and mash the attack button, and then, oh, someone's attacking me, so I start mashing the counter button. When you play it that way, you never get a combo, which, like, reduces your the resources you get or something. Uh, like, yeah. you never get a combo. You get hit a lot and, and that kind of thing. But, like, the game isn't hard enough for you to lose if you're doing that. So instead, you're still progressing. You're still winning. The game is telling you that you're doing good enough, but, like, it's constantly just kind of slightly frustrating feeling because you're getting hit a lot. You're being, you know, you're being told that you're not doing great, but you don't really know what's wrong, you know? And if the game would just fucking kill me when I'm not playing it right so that I can learn right away, I'm not doing something right. I better fix it, you know, then it would be fine. But instead, the game lets you drag along not playing it right. You know what I mean? But instead... I just... I, I love that you're you're begging for the game to kill you. It's like, I, I, I don't know many people who do that. It's like, this game needs to be harder. I don't know how many people who, who, who go through that thought process. It's just, if a game doesn't make you use all the mechanics, you end up with normally a more boring experience, but also it can be frustrating because you're missing out on things that you don't know that you're missing out on. And... Uh, yeah. Or like I agree. I... Yeah. Or or like with Batman, the thing is like it, it's just like the combat just generally felt shitty, but I was still winning, so I just thought it was kind of shitty, you know. But then it wasn't until later I realized, oh, you don't mash the buttons. If you time all of your attacks, then you get a combo going. Then things are smooth. Then the combat feels good. You know, so just like make me do that right away instead of like just letting me think that the game kind of sucks. Counterpoint tutorials are boring. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying kill me. I'm not telling I'm not saying 
Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want to be forced to find. Yeah, it out. don't yeah. call me. Don't have Morgan Freeman call me and Batman. You need. Here's how you need to punch dudes. That would be stupid. Oh God. Right? Yeah. Th- there's so many games that right. do that. Though. So instead, just punish <laughs> incorrect play. Don't like you know, sh- the, like they always say, show me, don't tell me. I agree. I could see that. Yeah. I I never even really thought about it that way. Like I'm thinking about the times I go through that thinking process, and it's just like, yeah. I just, you know, it's God of War. I'll just hit X a whole bunch, and we'll be fine. Now, yes, oh God, I, I'm trying to like find a spot to end the stream or the show, but you, you just ripped on God of War, and I don't know if I can stand for it. You're talking about PS2 God of War. I am talking about all of the God of Wars that I've played, which is two, three, uh, and one. Okay, not not in that order. I played them all in order. Oh, okay. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't played four yet. All right. Yeah, I've only played the um well, I've played the first 5, which is, you know, the 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 3, 1, 2 and 3 and then the two uh, handheld ones. Let me preface it though. I love God of War. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. I just I take umbrage with the oh, you just mash. It's you don't just mash to get through God of War. They have very interesting enemy variety that forces you to There's change. puzzles. There's puzzles. There's good puzzles. There's platforming. Um there is good plat uh, good platforming later on, mm-hmm. um, but in the beginning, I mean, you, you kind of have to think about it in context. But we can talk about God of War next time too, if you'd like. We could, we could. It's also very a very video gamey series in that like it's one of those things where you identify where you're supposed to go, so you start looking in all the nooks and crannies, and they always have little bonuses for you. You know. Like, there's lots of just little secrets to find all over the place, and I really like that. Yeah, there's a lot of secret finding for sure. But uh, but uh, my, my whole thing is I, I won't stand for it for people just saying that, oh, you just mash buttons through the whole game. Because no, no, no. There's the guys you got to block. There's the guys you got to dodge. There's the guys you got to grapple. And then they give you, the, they give you like, interesting combinations of them at the same time. So you got to kind of figure your strategy out each different fight. We'll talk about it next time. It's good good stuff. It's good stuff. All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, everyone. I think that's wrapping up the show for today. If you guys have a topic that you want us to talk about, just put it in the comments. Tell us about it. Or correct us on shit that we got wrong also. And yeah, and you can actually find us on more places than have a comment section too. Now you, you'll have the video portion here on YouTube, and if you'd like, we are now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and a, just a direct RSS feed if you like that too. That's right, and you can check us out on Twitch if you ever want to see it live and yell stuff at us uh, while we're talking. We uh, we're reading chat. We're you know we're not necessarily talking to chat, but we're we're reading it so. Uh yeah, we we go back and forth hosting it. Check out our our weekly or our daily shows that we do also. I'm Dash Retro, he's Invictus Knox on Twitch. And yeah, there you go. There you go. See you guys next time. Later guys.